Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for hanging out on today's edition of the podcast. There's a lot to discuss. I'll try not to be too long-winded, but I mean, I'm pretty sure I know why you came here on this particular episode. Let me first start out by saying that the House of L podcast is brought to you by the fine folks over at Aurelio's Pizza. Whether you're going out to Homewood or the one in Mokina or you're you're like, I need to order some or you're, you're down on Roosevelt, wherever you want great pizza from, know that you can get it in Aurelio's. Aurelio'sPizza.com. And if you're looking for a great job this summer, I always suggest this. Go work for Aurelio's, man. Those are good people. You have a good time. Aurelio'sPizza.com. We roll up the shades. I haven't rolled up the shades in the office. Just in here dark. I got the headset on so I can walk around a little bit. All right, cool. So let me tell you guys what's been up. man. I've been... I'm not going to lie. I've been under a lot of stress over the last, like... I would say things got serious with this this move in the last month or so. And it's been stressful. It's been really stressful. Like the the concept of some of it I'm still like working through. When Dan and I did our show together where we were just kind of hanging out, like a it, an extended transition. I was like, man, that was cool. It was a really a fun time and I had a good time and I wasn't sure what the station was going to do. I didn't know if the plan was going to be Dan was going to go find another partner or he was going to keep doing a solo show. But most program directors don't like back-to-back solo shows. And there are a lot of programmers around the country that don't like the concept of of solo shows. Like, there's plenty of people that feel that way. Like, I, I think that, obviously, as someone who's been doing a solo show for 13 years, um, I, I think that there, it can be done. I just think that all of it needed needs to be done in very small doses which is why the two hours that of my show was perfect. Like it's a perfect amount of time for someone to do a solo show. Maybe three hours, like maybe. But I understand anyone's apprehension to not wanting five hours of solo shows back to back. So the question then kind of becomes, well, what do you do? Like what, what how do you partner decides to partner Dan and I up and I after I did the show you know Mitch said well what did you think like what did you think about it I thought it was great and Dan apparently thought it was great too so that's when we started thinking of like the bigger concept of well what if this was a show every day what if the two of you got into a room together and did a show every day and then after that 
then it becomes – I always joke with people on the show, they're like, oh, Lawrence, you deserve more time. And I'm like, I, I negotiated this. Like, I negotiated a two-hour show. Therefore, I'm, I'm paid for a two-hour show. So, the I, like, stick me on longer, yeah, you have to pay me to do that. And that's the conclusion that I came to with this, where if there was going to be a new show and I was going to go from working noon to two to 10 to two, and by the way, those aren't the hours that I work. Those are the hours that I'm on the air. Same with every host. That doesn't, you're pretty much working fairly regularly, like every day. You're watching games, you're reading content, you're listening to content, like all sorts of stuff, so that you can put together the best show possible. So there there needed to be a negotiation part of it. And here's the behind-the-scenes stuff that I can tell you because this is the House of L podcast. I didn't have an agent. I was actually going to do a whole episode on whether people needed to have an agent. And as the negotiation for this started, I didn't have an agent. And I was like, oh, you know, I know enough about the, I know enough about this game that I could represent myself. And that was a fallacy. Here's what I believe. I do believe that I know enough about this industry that I could represent somebody else effectively. But representing yourself can be treacherous. And I ran into some of that where there wasn't enough time in the day for me to get everything else done that I wanted to get done. And then the stress of how negotiations go. Like it, it, can take a lot out of you. And it definitely took a lot out of me. I've been without an agent since Thanksgiving or so, like around there. And so I've been, I've been interviewing agents for months. And let me tell you, I have not enjoyed it at all. It is... uh, I was talking to some friends of mine because, you know, I'm, I, I have friends that work in a bunch of different places, locally, nationally, radio, television, streaming. So I pick the brains of a lot of people. And unfortunately, like some of their <laughs> some some of those people have had similar interactions with agents slash agencies that I have. There have been people who've tried to point me in the direction of some people locally, but I always worry about that because I ran into that years ago where you may have an agent that has multiple clients in one place. And if that agent has multiple clients in one place, can they honestly represent you to the fullest extent of the agency? Or do they have to worry about their other client slash clients at their place. And with the big, big, big box media places, you're probably not going to be able to run away from that. Like if, if you're dealing with ESPN and you're a CAA client, like you're, there's going to be other people that are in CAA that 
are represented by the same place that you are. I've always liked not having representation of people people who are at the score, like specifically the score. Like I don't want to be repped by someone who is repping someone else there. I just think that the amount of spaces for full-time hosts is already really small, and I don't like the idea of being tethered to another client at the same place. And there, there was some of that a few years ago, and then I'd kind of made an agent change, and then I've now I've made an agent change again. So I was with the type of like um, emotional and time commitment that a negotiation takes up. I hired an agent, and I basically was like, "I need you to handle this for me, so that I can focus on." Doing my radio show, doing the pop, running the podcast, doing getting back into TV, like that sort of thing. And my agent came in and was able to. Is it's weird though, because it's like a like this person and I had talked. Like I didn't just hire him blind, but we were still in like the feeling out part. Like, is this gonna work? Are we a good fit as talent and talent management? Like, that sort of thing. And after talking to other agents and and talent around the country, I was like, you know what? This is happening right now, and I'm just going to need to have a little bit of faith. And that faith ended up being well-founded. And my agent did a really wonderful job of navigating this and allowing me to focus on the creative stuff, which is what... I like focusing on anyway, which I'll get to in a little bit. I, I do want to talk about the the creative aspect and the change in what I am now asked to do with a partner show versus doing a show solo. So once they came to me and they said, we like the idea of you and Dan doing the show together. Dan was on board because you don't want to walk into a partnership that someone else doesn't want. Like, you, like it's, you really, truly don't. So then the negotiations got fast and furious, and there were, there were frustrating moments inside of the negotiation, as with all negotiations, seemingly. Um, there were frustrating moments, but the goal is to never let people know that while it's happening, meaning you, the listener. Um, I would hope that you were listening to those shows and not knowing that there were times when I was frustrated walking into the building and wondering if this was ever going to get done and then wondering if I was going to stay at the score because I was still under contract, but there was a, there was a scenario at play where if things didn't work out, I could totally have seen them being like, you know what? This isn't going to work. We're going to send you home until the end of your deal. And then, so I, I was kind of going through the, like I was going through the mourning process of, oh my God, like what if I leave the score? And I was thinking about it and I was thinking, I was sitting there, I was talking with my agent about it. I was talking with friends about it. 
and and I was saying, like, I had come to the conclusion of, well, I've been here, I'm in year 25 of working here on the air since, I mean, like, realistically since 03. So 19 years on the air at the score, that's a really incredible run. I've got money stockpiled because I, I saved like a miser. I can sit this out and then figure out what the next thing is. That went through my mind. And I got some really good advice from my parents about it. I spent a lot of time talking to them about it because I wanted them to be prepared. Like, my parents have enjoyed me being on the score. They've enjoyed the, I guess, notoriety that comes with that. And I wanted them to know, like, it's possible that I won't be there anymore if this whole thing can't get worked out sufficiently. And it was a lot. Like, it was... It was messing with me. Like, I I already have issues with anxiety. Like, that's a thing for me. I've noticed over the last five years, I've been more cognizant about that. And there was this moment where I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is what the end looks like. It doesn't always look great. It doesn't always end up like storybook, like that sort of thing. I've seen it with other people. I've seen it in other places. And this is what it looks like for me now. But then things turned around. Like there was a a really important meeting meeting between me and management and the negotiating team for Odyssey where I think everything was laid bare. Like all points were made. And once we did that, it allowed for there to be less drama. Like, it's like, oh, okay, I see where you're coming from. You see where we're coming from. Okay, here we go. And then it became a, a thing of, do I want to do this? You know, like, now that we've gotten that part of it out of the way, do I want to do this? And I'll tell you about that on the other side of a break. The conclusion that I came to and why I'm excited about what happens next, next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, so I've gotten a offer that I feel is representative of what's being asked of me. And now I'm sitting there going, With negotiations, they are rough, and sometimes they're very raw. And you're left going, it's like arbitration in, in like, in baseball. Like, that's what it is. It's why, honestly, you pay an agent. Like, you pay an agent so that they go into the room, and, and they, but I do think that 
in my case, it was significant that I said things like through my voice, like no filter of the agent. And I, I think it actually helped like get us to a place. And then my agent like knocked down, like here's the framework, like that sort of thing. And then I'm like, okay, this is a real commitment that I'm, I'm making. Like this is a multi-year deal. It's honestly the longest deal that I've signed year-wise at the score since I've been on air. So I had to sit and think about it and think about what a partnership means. This is going to be one of the hardest parts for me. And I'm asking the score listener for a little grace until I figure some of this stuff out. And Dan, too, like it's. I am used to doing a solo show, and one of the things that excited me about doing this show is I feel like I'm in a space creatively where partnership can end up being a great thing. For a big portion of my career, I've done the solo thing. I haven't done, I haven't had a partner on radio since 2009. Me and Dan Hampton were partners on radio, and and I really enjoyed, I enjoyed working with Hamp. It didn't work. I don't, and I think that it didn't work because I wasn't ready to do that show. In retrospect, I could have done it better, and with some time and perspective, I feel like if if this show were debut on Monday, I'd have a better handle on how to make it work. But I didn't think at the time, at the time I was like, oh, this is, this is my vehicle. Like this will be something that, that launches me. And what it ended up doing is giving me a really fun what, eight, nine months of doing a show with someone that I really like and respect and, we're we're now friends and and I really appreciated that about Hamp. When you spend a life doing a solo show, you really only have to worry about yourself. You only have to worry about your connection with the audience. I said this on the air on Friday and I, and I'll say it to you here. DMX talks about talked about why he didn't like a lot of people on stage with him. And it's a selfish reason, but I understand it completely. It's the idea of connecting with the people who enjoy your stuff. It's, he had said, I, I, wanna, I don't want my man to reach someone. I want to reach him. You know, I want to be the person that reaches them. And, and I felt similarly. The other part of it is you never really know what your partner's goals are. And you can ask and you can think you know, but 
sometimes life and other stuff like gets in the way. I joke about the the me and Z show breaking up and that being like the origin like story. Like that's that's when I become a villain. Like that's the origin story right there. And it's because Z, aka Dan Zampillo, had different goals. I thought that the goals were we were going to be this incredible show, and I I still believe that it would have been an incredible show, that we were going to be this incredible show, and we were going to do this for 20 years, and we were going to be the biggest thing in Chicago sports radio, and that's not what he wanted. He wanted something different. And so I was kind of stuck. And the, the Buster Rhymes line, like, lingers in my head. If I ain't going to be part of the greatest, I got to be the greatest myself. And that's kind of where I had decided I was going to really focus after, after that and then after the Hampton Holmes show didn't work. It's like I have an opportunity to really work on being a solo host and creating this thing. And we did that. I had some incredible help from Joe Ostrowski. Um, I honestly can't thank Joe enough. He knows I feel this way. I'm, I'm not speaking out of school. Like Joe and I were these outcasts, you know, like he had, he was in charge of the morning show and it didn't work out. And I had this show with Hamp and it didn't work out. And then we kind of like landed in the same place. And he became the EP of the night show. And we like his energy and drive and his fuck it attitude, like real talk. Joe was like, do what you need to do. Like, let's make this show what you want it to be. Let's make it fun. Let's do the stuff that you think is good because you've got good instincts. It set a real template for what I wanted to do. And then we got, like, super lucky. You know, we, we, we had Chris Tannehill at the beginning of his career at the score. And so sonically... The show sounded amazing because Tanny was doing all sorts of shit and it sounded really good. But you only get to keep great people like that for so long before people are like, oh, that dude's really great. And and so, you know, he he moved up. I mean, we had Herbie and we had Melissa Rakitis and Rick Camp, like all these people that then helped to contribute to what I lovingly refer to as the nighttime show. Like, I still refer to the nighttime show as me, Joe, Herbie, Tanny, Roki, Campy, Tony, Ranji, Connor, Grody. Like, all of that is inside of the nighttime universe. Maggie, Julie, like, all of that is inside of that universe. And for a long time, we got to... We got to do our own thing creatively, and it was fun. So doing a solo show with an incredible, like, crew of people, like, it, 
I, I've always looked at it as like, oh, well, you know, you can, I'm the center of this carnival that's going on around me. But there's a lot of cool stuff inside of the carnival. When I got the, when Mitch said, hey, we're thinking about expanding the day, why don't you do a, a show from two, two, 12 to 2? And being able to then take the nighttime show and stuff that we did on the nighttime show to the daytime was really important. Like, it was a major, major victory. Because I knew that the nighttime show had a bit of a cult following. And I knew that there were people who dug the show. But... There were concerns on whether or not it was going to work. And then it worked. You know, it worked over the four years that we did Noon to Two. It worked. And we had Joe Madden and Tony Gill did an incredible job of, like, kick-starting the show. And those Joe Madden segments became legendary. And we got to do fun shit. And then we got to do it in a in a a smaller time frame than other people thought like we got to do 2 hours and there were de- there almost every day I walked away going man I wish we had 3 hours or I wish we had 4 hours to do stuff but I also knew what I was getting paid and I was getting paid for 2 hours so we did the 2 hours and went on and did other stuff when I worked there was a point for two years where I was working at night at the score and during the morning at Stadium Network. It was 120 Sports back then. Now it's called Stadium. It's also Bally's. I'm confused. But I did a show there called The Morning Run. And honestly, that's where I started to rethink the concept of partner shows and what we were doing over at 120 slash stadium slash Bally's back then part of the reason that they hired me is because I was a radio person and we were kind of doing this national radio show but it was a streamed television over the top network television show and I got to work with Dylan McGordy and Tyler Fulgham, who's just killing it on ESPN now, as one of their gambling analysts, and Laura Britt, and Michael Kim, and Shea Pepler, and Jordan Cornette. Like, when I think about that roster of people, Emily Kaplan, that was on Stadium back in the day, my goodness, did we have a murderer's row of a roster. But doing that show every morning with Tyler and Michael and Laura Britt, like, open my eyes to, man, wouldn't it be cool to be part of an ensemble? Like, what would it feel like to do a show with a partner now? Like, maybe you're better equipped to do that now. So that's been swimming around in my head since 2017 or so. Even throughout like making that move and feeling vindicated 
for the move to middays. It was swimming around in my head. So now here's this opportunity to work with Dan. And I've worked with Dan. I, I go all the way back to producing Dan. And I will tell the story of the sausage biscuit on the air again. And I'm sure I'll tell it multiple times to make him feel bad. But I've had a chance to work with Dan. I've worked with Dan, and Dan acted as a mentor to me. He he will deny that because you mentor yourself. That's one of Dan's quotes. You mentor yourself. But he acted as a mentor to me when I covered the Bears beat, and I always appreciated that. And it, it kind of set the path for the way that I covered sports. And there's a difference, and there's a big difference between who I was as a talk show host before I went to the field, who I was as I was in the field, and who I am after being in the field. There's a big difference in how I see the entire mosaic now. And when I went and did the show with Dan, it was, I was guesting on the Dan Bernstein show. So what it allowed me to do, and now I'm going to use some basketball analogies here I am I am a point guard I am a scoring point guard you can call me Chris Paul but I don't like hit people in the balls as I drive by I can get points if I need to I can share the ball whatever it takes to win what working with Dan did on his show is it allowed me to play off the ball and I liked it I liked it a lot. I liked that I didn't have to drive every single segment. Because when you're doing a solo show, you got to drive every single segment. It's your show. I liked that I could be a counterbalance. or I could amplify the way that Dan feels about something, or I could disagree with him on something. Or there could be nuance inside the conversation. It doesn't have to be... 100% you're right or 100% you're wrong. And I enjoyed it. And it, I kept thinking about that when I got to the end of this and I was left with the choice of, do you want to stay? Like, do you want to do a show? And the conclusion that I came to is, yeah, I want to see what this part of it is like. What's it like to build a show with a partner? What types of things can be done that I haven't been able to do as a solo act? And here we are. Like, now the show starts, and I am... Just so you understand, this is what I mean by needing grace from you, the the listener, on some of this. I am going to be learning how to do a partner show. And I know that that seems crazy. It's like, well, you talk with him every day. Like, there's a difference between doing one segment and doing 16, because that's what we're doing now. We're going to be doing 16 segments together each day. Now, the way that I work as a solo host is, and my producers will tell you, Ray will tell you this, I pretty much have every segment planned out. I know exactly what I want to get done, 
how I want to get it done, how we're going to get there. I think that's both good and bad. It's mostly good for me. I just like to be able to see it. I also think that I can adjust. So if we have everything played, like set up, I know how to then reroute if we need to reroute. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know how to handle the, I like chaos inside a structure. And then I know how to, like, get us back on the road. But I don't know how all of this is going to play out. My assumption is that it's going to be great. Like, I think that Dan and I have a chance to do a really awesome show. I think there are enough similarities that it's not awkward, but there's enough differences to make it interesting. Like, he's seven years older than I am, I think. Six years older than I am. So, we're kind of of the same generation, but not really. I have interests that are outside of his interests, and he has interests that are outside of mine. And learning about those differences is a part that I think is super fascinating. On top of it, we both see talking about sports, we care about a lot of this stuff. And and that is going to come to the forefront as well. Uh, I was joking about how good bear season is going to be. Like, I'm not punting on the rest of baseball season, but how good Bear season, how good Bears Mondays are going to be with Dan and I. Because he's writing his stuff. I'm doing my videos. There's all sorts of stuff, like minutia, and for two guys who cover the Bears, like there's stuff that we know about and we care about. The blending of the guest is going to be interesting. But I think that my guest play with Dan, and I think that Dan's guests play with me. But that's something that has to be done. Like, it, trying to marry all of this is going to take a little bit of time. And what I'm doing is I am trying desperately to not overdo this. My, my inclination is to put together, like, spreadsheet and plan out all of this stuff that's going to happen on the show and what I want to do my approach to this over the next few weeks is going to be to let go I'm going to see how long I can just read and react how long I can just kind of not micromanage. That's one of my goals for this is to not micromanage the show, to just let the show be. And I, I, I do have to tell you, that's extremely hard for me. When it comes to sports radio, I am 100% an alpha. But I recognize my alpha-ness and I know that I I don't need there to be a clash of that 
And I told Dan, we had a meeting, and I was like, you can drive. I don't care. I would prefer that you drive so that I can I can dip into this next chapter of my career in a different way. I can approach it in a different way. Now, look, if I feel like the show's bad or I feel like we're not getting everything done that we need to get done, I feel more than comfortable saying it to anyone. And then maybe being a little bit more vocal. But I'm looking forward to that part of it too. If if it comes to that, I would prefer that it not come to that. I would prefer that this partnership is going to immediately be fun and then gel and then get comfortable. And the listener will be there for it for the whole time. Which does, it does lead to a very interesting, another one of the stresses that I've been dealing with for the last few months. I've been super busy. And I do that. Like, I, I overbook because I feel like I have high capacity and I can do a lot of things. I'm still working on the Radiant Black comic book, which I'm super excited about because we're getting to the end game of that. And it's going to be out and I can't wait for you to see it. I, I'm looking over some of the artwork. I was looking over some of the artwork this morning. It's going to look amazing. The, the concept that Kyle Higgins came up with is so bananas. Like, it's so crazy. And I think that we've got a shot at it becoming a thing. And we've got a shot about it. It may be jumping off of comic book pages and becoming something deeper. I'm actually working on a television pilot right now. I can't tell you what it is yet because there's been no formal announcement, but I'm filming a pilot in and around Chicago, and I've been working on that. And then NBC got back to me, and they were like, hey, do you want to still do sports on TV? And I'm like, yep. I can figure out how to do it, and they're allowing me to do it, and I'm going to be hosting White Sox pre and post on the 2nd of July, and I'm looking forward to that, and maybe there'll be more stuff for me to do. And, of course, there's House of L. So I've been, I've taken a little bit of a step back on House of L because everything else that was going on. I knew that something was headed my way, like, score-wise. I just wasn't sure what. And so I told the guys over at Sports Adjacent, I was like, I need to be a little hands-off with the pod. And they were gracious enough to be like, we get it. And so they've been, Tony's been posting the Sports Adjacent podcast. Because there just weren't enough hours in the day for me to, like, listen to it and like, hey, guys, you need to do this. Send me another edit of the episode. So I appreciate Russ and Jason and Tony for understanding that I needed to, I needed a break. Like I needed a break. And now things are a little bit more solid so I can figure out what to do with that and with them. What I do think now that I have a show with a partner, what I do think might happen with House of L a little bit more 
He said, this is where I do my acoustic set, man. Like, this is where I can do more episodes per week on things that we didn't get to as a show or things that are in my purview but maybe not in Dan's. Like, stuff that I might give more time to. Like, I, I'm, I can tell you, I'm definitely going to fuck with Dan when it comes to wrestling stuff. But, you know, if there's, like, this Vince McMahon thing, I don't, I don't know how into the weeds Dan would want to go on a show about it. But I can. You know, I can reach out to some of my friends who cover wrestling and put them on House of L, or I could do 12 minutes talking about all of this stuff on House of L. So I think that it's a real positive that th- this is going to be the reservoir of doing the single show. Like, I'll have an opportunity to just kind of be here. Like, th- that's where I can do, and then people can, they can say, hey, and, you know, I wanted to hear what Lawrence specifically had to say about the White Sox. Or, but I will tell you, I, I think that the show is going to be really good. I think the show that Dan and I are, are going to do is going to be really good, but there's going to be opportunities for me to be me right here, which was the whole point of building House of L in the first place. I've My goal, is one of the, the thesis statements for this podcast has always been I wanted to have a place to go and to be in case I was done with the industry or the industry was done with me. Luckily, the industry's not done with me yet. But that still means that I, I want to use this, this space and this platform in a way that allows me to be creative. I, I do like my independence. That has become abundantly clear over the last three or four years that I'm, I'm big into my independence. So I want to make sure that I have a place to continue to be independent. So that's where we're at, y'all. Oh, that's that's the sauce. Aurelio's. Yeah, Aurelio's Pizza. They're our friends. They sponsor this podcast, and thank God they do. Without a really great sponsor like Aurelio's, this last few months of House of L would have been very difficult to pull off. So I appreciate everyone over at Aurelio's. Go get a pizza. My favorite is sausage and cheese. Whether it's the sauce or the crazy desserts that they have, it's just a great, great place. Trust me. You're going to love it. Thank you for indulging me. I know that this episode was long. I know that I'm long-winded. This is another one of those things that I'm going to have to fix now that I am not a solo show anymore. See, I'll get the chance to be long-winded. On House of L, see? It'll be a good time. The Bernstein at Home show will air Monday through Fridays, 10 until 2. And if you're wondering, yeah, Layla, she's going to be a big part of it. And I, I failed to mention, and I wait, I'll stop the music. I failed to mention, so I'll mention it. One of the people that I counted on the most throughout this process is Layla Rahimi. 
we were texting or on the phone like multiple times a week. She is an incredible ally and a really great broadcaster. And I mean, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. I, I think she's a really good friend too. And so whether it's us going to brunch and talking about stuff or us being on the phone for two hours and talking about stuff or us texting each other, she was instrumental in helping me work through all of this. All of it. Like, all of it. So shout out to Layla because she's dope. And, yeah, I want her to be a significant part of the Bernstein at Home show because I think she's one of the most talented people in our business. Monday through Fridays, 10 a.m. until 2 o'clock. Don't worry about me having to get up earlier. I get up at 6 o'clock to worry about things anyway. So I'll see you on the score Monday through Friday, 10 10 to 2, and I'll see you a little bit more frequently now right here on House of L. Thanks for your continued support. I will talk to you next time. Peace. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.